0: Wow, wow, after a hard year, it feels so good to gather and celebrate Jesus, to celebrate life, the one who conquered death, wow, wow, you know, the first time the resurrection was announced publicly, there were 10,000 people that gathered. It was the city of Jerusalem. It was six weeks after Jesus' body physically rose from the dead. They were gathered, and Peter was the one who made the announcement that day. Six weeks after the resurrection. And Peter was a good one to bring the message because he had physically seen the the risen Christ On five different occasions over those those weeks following he he, he saw the body of Jesus he spoke with Jesus once Jesus appeared to him personally a second time behind closed doors when Thomas was not there a third time when Thomas was there a fourth time on the Sea of Galilee when they had returned to their fishing nets weeks later there's Jesus on the shore they'd been fishing all night caught nothing and Jesus says I think you ought to try the other side of the boat and so they did and they caught such a catch they couldn't even pull in the nets and Peter said it's the Lord! And he jumped in in his skivvies and swam to shore and hugged the Lord and they had breakfast together. Imagine that. That's the fourth time. And then the fifth time was next to the city of Jerusalem. There's a lovely hill uh, known as the Mount of Olives. And on the top of that, Jesus met one final time 40 days after his resurrection. And all the disciples were there with him. And, and he, he told them a few things. And one of those things was, um, when I go, you're going to be my witnesses because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be my witnesses. And so... Peter was one of those that heard him. And then, and then when he, as soon as Jesus said that, I don't know whether it was a day like this or, or whatever, but, but as soon as Jesus said that, he ascended into heaven. Now imagine watching someone ascend. Now, no one was there the moment Jesus was raised from the dead. No one. Um, but they all the disciples were there to watch him ascend into heaven. And, and so Peter was the right guy to preach this message at least five times he had seen Jesus. and, and perhaps a sixth time because Jesus also appeared. there's records of him appearing at one time to 500 people. That's about what we have here this morning somewhere in that neighborhood, but about Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. And then Peter may have been in that group, but Peter now is preaching, is preaching. resurrection it's the topic of this gathering 10,000 people in the streets of Jerusalem and Peter is the one that steps up to the microphone or in a loud voice before microphones and he announces and before he preaches Jesus he makes an interesting statement he says first right before he preached the resurrection he said, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that something? Then he goes on and preaches the resurrection. And he preaches the resurrection because Peter knew this is now 10 days after Jesus ascends into heaven. 10 days after that, they now receive what Jesus promised. They received the Holy Spirit. And they received power. And now this this wimpy guy, Peter, who lied three times about his identity. We heard about identity. He lied about his identity three times when a little middle school girl comes up and says, aren't you one of his disciples? The same guy who couldn't even stand the pressure of a middle school girl asking a simple question he denies Christ three times the same guy now that he has the Holy Spirit he's declaring the resurrection as the greatest single event in world history amen I'm here to tell you this morning the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest event in world history. I knew I'd get some applause. <laughs> but I'm really not saying that for the benefit of those who, who clap, but for those that are still wondering. Is that true? Is that true? Now the reason Thomas wasn't there the first time is because he doubted. He doubted the the authenticity of the resurrection. In fact, he doubted so bad. Thomas was such a skeptic that he said, if I don't, if Jesus is standing right in front of him and he still is a skeptic. Wow. Now I I don't know what kind of skeptic you might be, but I doubt if you're, you're that bad or that hard or whatever you'd say. To be, so, so Thomas says to the Lord I'm not going to believe you Unless you let me stick my finger in your wounds yeah. Now That's kind of disgusting but, <laughs> but imagine that So Now Jesus had plenty of wounds To let him stick his finger in He had a side wound The, the, the sword went up And pierced his pericardium He had hand wounds Feet wounds but Jesus humbled himself again. Think of that. He humbled himself again to meet this guy Thomas where he was that day. And he let him touch his wounds. Well, Thomas was not doubting Thomas anymore. He turned into believing Thomas. And what changed him? The resurrection. What changed Peter? It was the resurrection. So he starts, Peter starts his, his, his first first public declaration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He starts with the statement all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And at the end of the talk, at the end of the talk, I love these words in the book of Acts in the Bible chapter 2. The people, this group of thousands, respond with the question, what shall we do what shall we do and i've got to tell you that is the right question to ask when you hear about the resurrection because the resurrection of jesus christ demands a response what shall we do This this issue of the resurrection is not something to simply believe in, to take our hats off to, yes, I believe in that. That's not the issue today. The issue is, what shall we do in light of the greatest event in world history? In light of the resurrection, what shall we do? Well, to that question, Peter gave an answer. And we'll get to the answer. But I brought this morning... I brought a whole bag of towels. I've actually got about 25 towels in here. And the reason is when we hear what to do, there might just be somebody this morning who wants to do it. There might just be somebody that wants to do what Peter said to do. And, and so they said, what shall we do? And Peter told them what to do. And that day, out of the this group of thousands, there were 3,000 that did it. Can you imagine? 3,000. 3,000 did. So we've got towels and we've got water. So let's, let's, let's. Here is the message of the resurrection. So after Peter says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, then he gives three, I'm sorry, four reasons. He gives four reasons why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest single event in world history. Reason number one is because it is, it is, rooted in history the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ is rooted in history now Peter said these words hear these words he said a man attested to you by God he's talking about Jesus with mighty works wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you all know this Jesus was delivered up According to the definite plan of God and the foreknowledge of God, you crucified him and killed him by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible for Jesus to be held by death. It was not possible. And it says here, of of which you are witnesses. And then again, later in this same speech, he says, knowing for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ by raising him up, this Jesus whom you crucified, therefore you know for certain because you are witnesses of these things. So there were all these witnesses of the historic fact that rooted in history, Jesus was raised. And this is a historic fact that you and I have to respond to. This is not mythology, this is not Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck, Uh, this is not uh, Spider-Man or Thor or uh, Captain America or Wonder Woman, this is real, this is reality. This is Jesus who did the miraculous, who death could not hold, and his, his resurrection is rooted in history. Now the second thing, right after identifying that fact, he gives a second reason why this is the greatest single event in world history, and that is that it was predicted in the Bible. 1,000 years before Jesus was even born, King David said these words, and this is in Peter's speech. He's quoting here from Psalm 16, when Peter, on this first day, for the resurrection to be preached, he quotes the King David by saying, for you, O Lord, will not abandon my soul to death. Or let your Holy One see corruption. So what's he saying? Well, Peter goes on and he says, Therefore, I must say to you with confidence that our father David has both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing what God had sworn by oath would keep by his descendants, He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ 1,000 years before he was even born. David prophesied about the resurrection of Christ that he would not be abandoned to death nor see corruption. So what he's saying is David wrote this but not about himself because David, you know where his bones are you can visit David's tomb today. And they knew right where it was, the the thousands that were hearing this first speech. So what he's saying is, David did not write this about himself. He wrote it about Christ who would yet be raised. So the reason the resurrection is the greatest single event in world history, first of all, it's rooted in history. Second, it it is predicted in scripture a thousand years before it happened. The third reason is because the resurrection of Jesus Christ was validated by the ascension. The fact you know if Jesus just rose you, you could you could be skeptical well you know there's 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 cynics that have written reasons why people wrote that and well they thought that and they made it up and all that but but it's not just the resurrection what validated the resurrection was the fact that Jesus not only rose from the dead, but, but Jesus standing before every one of his disciples, right before their eyes, levitated. It was not hocus pocus. It really happened by the power of God. The same power that raised him from the dead now raised him from earth out of sight like a helium balloon you let go of his his those standing there saw him look smaller and smaller and they blink and oh there he still is and up he went and then finally he was out of sight it's a it's an amazing thing every disciple saw this and peter includes that in his speech listen to what he says this jesus God raised from the dead and of that we are all witnesses again he's saying this is a historic reality being therefore exalted to God's right hand and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit he has poured out this Holy Spirit on us and that's what you're hearing and seeing and then again he quotes from the scriptures. The word of David in the book of Psalms, Psalm 110 verse one, and he quotes this incredible verse. Hear, hear the word of the Lord, it says here, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. Amen, wow. Now, now just think about it. The Lord said to my Lord, and what, what is this, are there two gods? No, there's one God. There's one God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. One God, eternally. And so the Father said to the Son, sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies a footstool." I bring to you today, I declare to you today, community in this outdoor incredible setting, I declare to you, Jesus, who is today seated at the right hand of God, the Father. And it says here, when he sat down next to the Father, the Father gave him the Holy Spirit. And now, today, Jesus is giving us his Holy Spirit. One God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all mentioned in one verse. And why does he do this? He does this because without him, we do not have life. We don't have identity. We don't have a reason to live. And and so, listen to what it says next. The next words Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that's the He is risen indeed. Know for certain. That God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you have crucified. Made him Lord and Christ. Lord means ruler. It means potentate. It means God. Supreme master of the universe. The Father made the Son Lord and Christ. Christ Messiah, redeemer, the one who forgives sin. The one who gives us a new beginning. Hallelujah. Who gives us hope Hallelujah. in the darkness. Yes. Hmm. Some of you live in the neighborhoods around the church. For the past 14 years, I've been visiting several hundred some years thousands of homes around here. Many of you know me because you've seen me or my wife or or some of those seated here. We now have about 100 that go out three times a year to visit our neighbors. Some of you are here that live in these neighborhoods. Yesterday I had one of the most touching visits right over here in Villa Chase. Because I didn't ask permission, I'm not going to give names, but I know her name. And we said, as we do this spring going door to door, this has been a tough year with with the virus, We're just here checking on you, how are you doing? And she paused. She wanted to see if we were for real. If this was just a little program or if there was a sincerity behind the question. She paused, we asked it again. She paused again. We asked again. And then she put her head down and she said, "Um, my husband died of COVID a few months ago. I felt immediately what she felt. I felt it before she said it. The fact is death is a reality, people. Death is a reality. It can hit any of us at any time. You can try to leave the the, the parking lot and and get hit. You you can lose life in in a moment. Cancer can swoop in, COVID, car accident. You know what I'm talking about. And today, today, you could visit all the great tombs, you could go and visit the pyramids where they honored the pharaohs. You, you could go to uh, the tombs, the, the, the great uh, monuments across London where, where they honored their diplomats. You could go to Arlington Cemetery and, and see the great American heroes that have been honored. You could go to the Taj Mahal and, and see one of India, the wife of one of India's great uh, shahs. You can visit tombs. You could visit the tomb of uh, Karl Marx or Charles Darwin or Stephen Jobs or or you could go to the tomb of Michael Jackson. You can go to the tomb, uh, despite popular opinion, you can go to the tomb of of even Elvis Presley and I guarantee you one thing about every one of them their body is in there uh, you can visit the tomb of, of Muhammad he has a wonderful stone casket but his body's inside that casket but you can visit today the tomb of Jesus Christ and his body is not there and his tomb is empty his tomb is empty Now here's the deal. We've got three reasons why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest event in human history. One, it's rooted in history. This is not just theory, this is practice. In fact, I'll just give you one piece of advice. If you wanna find out about death and what comes after death, don't take advice to anybody that hasn't experienced it. That limits the field. There's only one person in history who can tell you about death By experience. Wow. Wow. And his tomb is empty. Wow. Wow. It's rooted in history. It's promised in Scripture. It's validated by the ascension. And the fourth, and really the clinching argument, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes lives. It changes lives. You've got uh, several hundred people around these grounds. that It changes lives. We've got a guy back here that by the grace of God beat cancer but walked through it uh, with hope knowing that even if he didn't it would be okay ultimately because of the resurrection. We've got another guy over here uh, one of my dear buddies that's still uh, waiting for healing to come but fighting every battle with with dignity and hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you've got young couples like Rachel and Desmond. What a sharp couple they are who can testify. I mean, it's not just waiting for death. They're not waiting for death. They're living life to the full because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest event in human history and it changes lives. Now notice what happens. No sooner does Peter finish his sermon this first declaration of the resurrection. And the people say, what shall we do? What shall we do? They cried it out. And in fact, at first it says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, cut to the heart. I hope somebody here this morning has been cut to the heart. And, be, and the reason I say this is because that's where faith begins. It's in your heart. It's down where you live. We're not asking you to do something outward today. It starts in the heart. If you're you're not cutting the heart, don't, don't fake it. But if there's something stirring in you today, in your spirit, in your heart, down deep in your life, I want to call you today to publicly say, yes, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So they asked, what shall we do? And listen to what Peter says. Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, man, he, he swung for the fences. He said, every one of you. You know, usually I get up and say, well, maybe there's someone here. <laughs> he went for the fences. Every one of you, and I, I've got—I just got to say, either you, when you arrived, this was already true of you, or I call you today to repent wow. and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Baptism is—is is water, but—but but it's a union with Jesus. It's a declaration that I link myself. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm identifying publicly with Jesus. And isn't it amazing? The first time the resurrection was preached, it was preached, and then the end game was repent. That's internally. Repent. It's when you, you turn your life from you holding the, the, the steering wheel, you being in the driver's seat, it's, it's you say, you get in the back seat, and you say, Jesus, would you take the wheel? I'm not trying to sing a Carrie Underwood song here. I'm just trying to make a point it is when you say to Jesus I I repent I, I turn it over to you and and look at what happens when we repent and be baptized listen to the promise be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and we all need that We don't need people pointing out our sins, but we need forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Think of that. God living inside of you. So forgiveness of sins is for your past. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is for now into the future. God wants to change you. And he does so not by some course you take. He, he changes you by the Holy Spirit. By the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then it says, This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off. 2,000 years later, I'd say we are afar off. This promise of forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit is for us. And our children today, everyone whom the Lord, your God calls to himself. And it says with many other words, he preached that day. And he ended by saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And then those who received the word and were baptized were added that day about 3,000 souls. Several years ago, a bunch of Christian business people got together and rented out the LA Coliseum on Easter. They asked a guy to speak, and it was packed. Up in the bleachers, way up in the top, was a guy who came as a cynic he said um, he, he did his wife a favor okay i'll come to, to, to appease you all i'll come he was a heart surgeon uh, one of the most noted decorated doctors in the world He's, he wrote the book the, the doctor you study in med school for heart surgery during the preaching when the resurrection was preached, he's up in the top and he starts leaning in. He leans in more and he starts saying softly, these things are true. This, what, and he turns to his wife, these things are true. What, what he's saying is true. He, he taps the guy in front of him, these things are true. He, he stands up, this is, I'm not making this up, he stands up, he turns around and he says, people, these things are true. These things are true. Something happened in his heart. It happened in his head, but it happened in his heart. There was a whole change. And that man's life, that day was changed, forever changed by Jesus. My friend, Jesus is here. This promise is for you. It's for your children and for the next generation the next generation but today I, I want to ask you I urge you would you today call on the name of the Lord and be saved it's the promise call on the name of the Lord and be saved. this group 10,000 said what shall we do I hope you're asking what shall we do and what you should do is repent Put your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation today. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. And and as you put your faith in Jesus Christ, follow the Lord in baptism. Follow the Lord in baptism. We've got towels. I've got 25. Hallelujah. We've got water. And it's been heated nicely. But I want to ask you right now where you are. Would you stand with me all around the grounds? Just, just right where you are, just stand please. And I wanna ask you first to put your faith in Jesus. It says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse nine, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you shall be saved. Hallelujah. It's that simple. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, see that it gets back to the heart, in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I ask you today, all around these grounds, in your car, standing around the grounds, do you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead? And can you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord? Would you just make that confession? Would you just make that confession? And if today you made that confession and can say in your heart, yep, God raised him from the dead, I believe it. I believe, I put my faith in Jesus today. I repent of running my own life. I put my faith, I put my life in Jesus' hands today. If you can say that around the grounds, would you just raise a hand and say yes? Yep, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Beautiful, beautiful. We've got a powerful song to end with, band of you would come. And let me say, here's here's the deal. As the band is playing this last song, I and a few friends are going to be on standing on either side here. I'm going to be down here, and we're going to have a couple uh, up here. But here's the deal. Today, I mean, what a day. you gotta, you got to admit, this is the day. What, what better time? You tell me a better time. For you to publicly say, "I, t- I, I put my faith in Jesus. I've repented, and I've received forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit," then today. So we are prepared. And let me just say a couple of things here. If you today would would take that step and come forward and say, "Yes," you see, confessing with your mouth is publicly. Everyone Jesus called, he called publicly. That's why we do baptism. It's a public declaration. I want to encourage you to make it public today. Don't, don't get your cars to leave. I ask you to stay for this moment. This is going to be the highlight of our time. But please come at this time. Make your decision today. We've got Bibles to give. We've got books to give. To those that step out today. Let's, let's make this an Easter that we will never forget. And some of you look so beautiful. You may say, well, I don't want to mess up my dress. I, I've got my hair done special. Let me tell you, the best Easter picture you'll ever have is with a little wet hair. And, and your picture looking as beautiful as you do today. Don't rule it out. Come on now. Come on now. Step out. Take a stand, come on up. Uh, Guys, let's have a couple over here and a couple join me on this side and um, let's prepare to talk with some people. And after this song, we hope to have a baptism, amen.